0: Well, hello. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino, and I am Matt Williamson, coming at you here. A um, couple little tidbits here. It's going to be strange weeks coming up. Uh, I've been traveling a lot with kids volleyball coming up and just got back. And then I mentioned I did that podcast from the, uh, <laughs> from the with the parade going by. And then I'm going to go to the Combine after that. So um, anything you guys want in particular, let me know. Uh, I'm sure next week we will concentrate on stuff from the Combine without question. Um, But I found these two little nuggets, and I'm not here to fight with people on the internet or anything, but the athletic and pro football focus, and you'll start seeing this heavy, you know, every team's team needs, off-season preview, how much cap space do they have, all those type of things. And hey, that's right up my alley. So that's why I read them. I like to hear other people's opinions. And I'm going to tell you guys basically, do I agree or disagree with this stuff? So... In today's episode, it was a two-parter, as always, let's start with how, how Pro Football Focus addressed the Steelers, and they have a couple categories for every every team. You know, biggest team need, player that player to retain, cut candidate, franchise tag candidate. Uh, pull back the curtain right away. There's no franchise tag candidate for the Steelers. Good. Fine. No big deal. Um, okay. Projected cap space for the Steelers, about $81.5 million. That's 17th. I'm not sure exactly how they don't lay it out, how they project to get to that 81. I assume there's some cuts in there. But I've been telling you, they have space. They have money to spend. They're going to be about middle of the pack when it's all said and done, with the ability to open up some more room if there's somebody they love. Um, and number of picks in the NFL draft. This is one thing we haven't talked about. They only have seven. They have four in the top 100. We know they have three in the what top forty eight, two in the top thirty-two, but seven overall, if you haven't looked at their picks this year, there's a real gap in there. There's some barren spots, some desert area that that's not the only reason I've brought this up, but we've talked about it a little bit, that at seventeen. If there's three or four, if there's not someone that's just screaming at you, you have to take me. I'm the only tackle available. I'm by far the best corner out there. Can't believe player X is still there. I'd love to see them move from 17 to 20 and pick up a future pick, an extra third. That doesn't sound like much. And in this draft, I don't think it's that big a deal going from 17 to 20 or 21 or 19 or in that neighborhood. Because I think there's going to be... I have a strong feeling as we sit here in mid-February that when 17 shows up or when the middle to slash beginning of the back end of the first round shows up, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of similarly graded players. That's just how this draft is shaping up to me. I'm not super impressed with the top of the draft, not super impressed with the quarterback draft, but the quarterbacks I think will all be gone, the four, the top four. And I think there'll be a handful of nice things to pick from. And again, it might shock you what you can get in return moving from 17 to 20, 17 to 21. You can fill in some of these gaps, maybe get a future pick, throw in something. So I would like to change that number from seven picks to 10 picks without drastically changing, without changing at all, the four picks in the top 100 move. And also, the 32nd pick, I've had a lot of you guys ask me, well, 32 is going to be a lot easier to move than 17, right? Uh, in theory, sure, you know, because 31 picks go in the board, everybody retreats to their their caves, you know, their, their war rooms. Oh, let's call the Steelers. It's like holding the first overall pick. Yeah, that's true. And yes, there's a 22 hour period or whatever, where I'm sure their phones will ring like crazy or, you know, but training from 17 isn't hard either on draft day. I mean, how many, these teams have done this a lot. You get 15 minutes on the clock. You're talking to people the whole time anyway. So it's not like getting out of 17 is so much harder than getting out of 32. It just depends who's there and who's interested in all all cases. So either or both of those moves, 17 or 32 Moving backward, I hope is very much not necessarily in the plan, but on very much in the mix, you know, that that could be a strong possibility because I don't want just seven picks in this draft. I'd love to get that number to nine, something like that, and maybe an extra pick next year. And I'm not talking about seconds and, you know, first and stuff left and right, but an extra fifth, you know, a fourth, something along those lines, uh, pick up an extra guard you didn't see coming, something like that. Um, but anyway, I'm going to come back to, okay, they 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 label the Steelers top impending free agents as Cam Sutton and Larry Ogunjobi. I think that's exactly how I ranked them as well. I had Sutton number one. I think you can make an argument of Ogunjobi versus Edmonds versus KZ, who I'm really high on, um, but I, I would give the nod, I think, to Ogunjobi because finding defensive tackles is harder than safeties, that's for certain. Um, I'm going to come back in a minute, just so we kind of balance this podcast out a little bit, but I'm going to skip ahead to what Mark Caboli descri- described as the Steelers' greatest offseason, greatest position of need, offensive line, and I'm not going to read it verbatim, but I agree with Mark to some degree. Um, I would not say offensive line is their position of greatest need, and I assume that was the assignment you have to pick one position and he picked offensive line too. He cheated a little bit. Mark's a good dude. You know, he didn't pick center. He didn't pick left tackle. He took offensive line, which is five human beings on the field. It's five 11th of the field. I mean, that's so everybody has an offensive line need. but I like what he says here to start here. He says, take your pick offensive line, cornerback, inside linebacker and defensive line. So I always find these things interesting. And, you know, I've, written for many websites, including, you know, ESPN for 10 years. So what it means, it depends. It's almost like two ways of phrasing it. Like if someone asked me, what's the Steelers' greatest need? Well, I'd say, well, right this minute, only looking at the human beings that are under contract, I would say inside linebacker. Like as it stands right now, I'm going to battle with Robinson, maybe Jack, maybe not. You know, that's pretty lean. But I can also find one to live with or, you know, you know, I can't just be like, well, just pick up a left tackle anywhere. So a couple things here is, you know, Mark also mentions it's highly unlikely they'll go the free agency route for offensive line, leaving the draft as a main avenue which I think makes sense as well. I mean, maybe you're bargain basement shopping for offensive linemen, which is never a good move. That never happens. Maybe you bring back a couple of those dudes that were backups last year. And that's the key to me is I can live with this five. I can't live with the depth. And I think you want to continue to build depth as well as raise the talent level. Um, I didn't know where it was from, so I didn't quote it exactly. But I did see a chart yesterday saying, They showed every Steeler offensive lineman and they combined sacks allowed plus penalties that they committed. And if you look from right tackle, right guard, right and center, they're very, very good numbers. Very respectable numbers. James Daniels didn't allow a sack all year by these numbers. And I think they were pro football focused, but don't quote me on that. But Moore and Dotson's numbers are pretty high. They're both quite high, which I don't think should shock anybody either. Um, Moore's the one I think you can look at and be like, is he a starting left tackle or not? And I could probably make a case for both, because a start a quote starting left tackle isn't the greatest praise in the world when you need thirty-two of them. Trust me, there's not sixty-four of them roaming the earth. Sixty-four t- quote starting tackles, and I get a kick out of this too. Like all these draft nicks, hey, myself included, they'll look at these tackles coming you know, at the Senior Bowl, at the combine coming up. Yeah. He's really a guard. Uh, his arms are a little short. He's only 6'4". You know, not prototypical left tackle. That guy's a guard. Well, that's fine. But turn on the Red Zone channel every Sunday. You're going to have a lot of those dudes playing tackle. <laughs> you know, again, there's not 64 of them. So he's a tackle, you know, because that's all they got. You, know, you can only go fishing. And, you know, there's only so many fish in the lake. And when you start pulling out the Orlando Paces and Jonathan Ogdens, you're going to have some uglier fish playing left tackle. So I'm with Mark. I mean, yes, the offensive line needs addressed. I don't I can live with the top 5 starters, but boy would it have a ripple effect if you could draft a left tackle in the first round or early second round that turns into a one of those truly starting basically top half of the league starting tackles cuz then Dan Moore and Dotson are battling for your left guard spot. And Dotson The other thing, though, is Mason Cole's the oldest starter on this group, and I think he's just turned 28. So these guys are all going to get better, too. But the ceiling just isn't there. You know, I mean, a first round tackle, the 30 second tackle that needs to add some strength would have a massive ripple effect of now Moore's my sixth guy. I also have some theories now, too, that maybe I'm not bringing back Zach Gentry. And maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. And I want to play more six offensive linemen, you know, with the, the rookie tackle, Dewan Jones from Ohio State, something like that as my sixth guy while he learns. And then eventually that becomes Moore's job or Moore is your starting left guard. You know, we've talked about this a lot. So I'm not fighting that offensive line is not their greatest need. Well, I kind of am because as the way the team is constructed right now, I know five offensive linemen that are coming back. And compared to the rest of the league, I'm happy enough with that. Can I upgrade a tackle? I'll always be interested in that. And in this team, it would definitely have more of a ripple effect than just, boy, they had added a mid-first round left tackle to the mix. And that's an upgrade. It's better than what they played with. Because I do think you could upgrade at two spots by doing that. One of them might be your sixth lineman. One of them might be your left guard. And... You know, and I'm also not opposed to drafting some sort of interior offensive lineman. Brings us back to the old conversation of, well, if you trade down at 17, if you trade down at 32, maybe you get that guard center combo in the third or fourth round that you didn't think you had room for before. You know, so these things all play hand in hand. But if you're sitting there at 17 and there's a franchise guy there at left tackle, that's probably my pick over any other position. I don't know that this draft sets up that way. Most drafts don't. The guys that are basically no-brainer prospects don't usually last to 17. And I think in this draft, they're going to get driven up more than ever. All right, we'll be back. And then I want to go over these pro football focus conversations here. All right, they say the Steelers' biggest need is corner. And I like a quote here is, Pittsburgh doesn't have a bad cornerback group, but they're missing someone who can go toe-to-toe with some of the elite playmakers the NFL has at receiver. That's well said to me. You know, first off, I hate the notion of, don't draft corners, Steelers can't develop corners. Well, what about Cam Sutton and Deshae Townsend and Ike Taylor and on and on and on? I mean, did Artie Barnes work out? No. How many first-round picks have they used a corner since Rod Woodson? I think it's Dion Figures, Chad Scott, and what's his face it, I just mentioned Burns. They're all late first-round picks. Did they? All, did any of them light the world on fire? No. But they have not used the 17th pick in the draft very often on cornerbacks. And what I'm talking about going back to Rod Woodson, who some of you probably never even saw play live. He was pretty good. But I get this with the corner thing because, and it's not. Again, it's not that they have a bad set of corners. It's number one receivers ate them up this year, especially the first half of the year, especially when Watt wasn't available. Everyone knows this team is pass rush driven. You know, you can't have everything. They would rather disrupt the passing game by rushing the passer as opposed to having locked down corners. But there's so many one number one wide receivers or, you know, top 25 wide receivers. And if they're going to come against the Steelers every time and have big days, well, that need's corrected. So I'm not fighting them that the biggest need is corner. But they go hand in hand with it as the player to re- retain should be Cam Sutton. And they don't say these words, but I think we all would love to keep Sutton and draft a corner. And again, this is something I'm working on. Maybe it's going to be my article this week is It's a really good corner draft. There might not be Jalen Ramsey. There might not be Sauce Gardner. Well, there isn't in terms of prospects. But boy, is it deep. And with those first three picks or in addition to a trade down or whatever, I feel like you have to get one of those corners. Like more so than tackle, more so than D-line. With those top three picks, and you know, from between 17 and 48, I think it is. One of them to me almost has to be a corner and retaining Sutton or signing Rockysin or somebody like that that I mentioned, so I guess I can't fight that. Um, but the defense, it, the defense isn't designed to have Revis follow a guy all over the field. I think they want to stay left, right. They don't want massive investments in corner because they want to use it elsewhere. Um, so I kind of have mixed feelings about that. But here's a couple of things they said about Sutton, which I thought was interesting. Sutton earned a career-best 72.2 grade in 2022, allowing just 7.6, .76 yards per coverage snap. That was 11th amongst all cornerbacks that have at least 200 coverage snaps. Really good. I mean, so I don't think he was the culprit necessarily, too, against big-time receivers show up and rip the Steelers up. So, and the nice thing about Sutton is twofold is the familiarity, I guess it's threefold, the versatility so if you have a, a bunch of outside corners, put them on the inside. Although the league's going to more safeties at slot, but Sutton's big enough to handle it. Or, you know, the, the intelligence and the football intelligence and the football character too. So that's the third aspect. And then their cut candidate's pretty obvious. I mean, William Jackson III, who I was excited about when they made the deal. We never saw him. I even made him a Joe Hayden comparison. But for what he costs, you have to cut Jackson. But that doesn't mean you say, hey, William, you know, nobody wanted you at the trade deadline but us. You fit our system perfectly. We loved you coming out of school and, frankly, probably would have drafted you ahead of Burns. And maybe people wouldn't be saying the Steelers can't develop corners if that would happen. So be it. I'm not going to rewrite history. Why don't you come back on a one-year deal and fight for a starting spot? Might be a rookie in the mix. We even already brought back Cam. But we like what you can do. How about $4 million on one year? Uh, okay. Yeah, that might be the best he has to offer. And it's, the fit is very, very good. So there's options there. I mean, I agree that I would love to resign Sutton. But it, it, you can't look at it like Sutton or bust either. I think fans do that too often. It's like, oh, they didn't resign Sutton. Now the 17th pick has to be a corner. And they better draft another. And you better go trade for Jalen Rams, you know. So, there's other options, but I do think Sutton is a typical Steeler re-sign, homegrown, high football character, versatile, coming into his own, you know. So, I kind of would be shocked if he gets away, but the minute he isn't locked up when free agent opens, it's time to worry because someone's going to offer him a lot of money. All right, guys, take care. Over and out.